Everybody, I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan 83. Additionally, you can find me on YouTube. Simply look for Drew Duncan. And of course, we are wherever you're listening to podcasts. Simply tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on Block 50 Global Radio via Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, iHeart, etc. Wherever you are listening, we are there, guys. Plenty to get to today. Obviously, college football this weekend. Couple of matchups. USC are they going to be able to trip up against Ohio or San Jose State? Pardon me. Of course, Notre Dame is going to be kicking off week zero as well. But I think a very good game could be San Diego State taking on Ohio. Dame Lillard he confirms that he did request a trade to the Miami Heat, though he did say he didn't want to say anything bad about the. Portland Trailblazers. Giannis speaks out about next season and his contract. Stephen A. Smith, he continues to maintain his position and won't back down with the Lonzo Ball situation. We're going to be getting into that as well. Reggie Bush is suing the NCAA for defamation. And week zero football games, as I said, we're going to be taking a look at as well. All right. Let's get down to brass tacks. Number one. Giannis, fairly strong when talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. So Giannis says that if the Bucks don't want to build a winner, then there would be some harsh feelings there. He's already said that the numbers don't make sense. And he said that he doesn't want to be 20 years deep with one team and only have one championship to show for it. Let's not forget that Giannis is 10 years into the NBA. But it does make you wonder a couple of things, though. It makes you wonder why the Milwaukee Bucks fired their head coach. Did Giannis maybe have something to do with that? Look, I'm not one for speculation. Well, let's just call it ace and ace and a spade a spade here because Mike Bernholder was phenomenal as a head coach. With the Milwaukee Bucks. Five seasons, he won 75% of his games. He got an NBA championship. What am I missing here? Let's not forget that from 2007 to 2017, they were horrendous. In fact, in 2013, they only won 15 games. Leading up to when Mike took over as the basketball coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, they had 10 seasons where they didn't even break 500. Oh, and by the way, Giannis was there for five of them. In fact, Giannis was a rookie when the team only won 15 games in 2013. Was there something amiss between Giannis and the head coach? Now, look, I know a lot of people are going to tell you that the NBA is a coach or not a coach's game. It's all about the players. They're the ones that are seeing everything out there. They're the ones that are going to go out and execute. They make a lot more decisions in the NBA than they do in, let's say, the NFL or Major League Baseball. 
Everything is left up to them. They're the ones running the floor up and down. Everything is in game and it's happening faster and faster and faster in the world of basketball that we live in. We're not seeing a lot of half court sets. We're seeing much more of a collegiate style of basketball from many teams in the NBA. Did Giannis have something to do with that? Did the Milwaukee Bucks have a conversation with Giannis and go, okay, we're going to take care of this. This is part of us building a winner. And what did he mean by building a winner anyways? He talked about not getting a lot of new guys, so then what, keep the original band together? We all know that that's very, very difficult. They were lucky to keep the team with them that they did from the beginning with Drew and all those guys, especially because after you win a championship and contracts start coming up, then what? And and what type of money is Giannis looking for? What numbers don't make sense? All right, we just saw Brown over in Boston get three hundred million. Is that what Giannis is talking about? Getting more than three hundred million, breaking another NBA record for a contract. You know, one of the other things that kind of gets to me a little bit about this is why is Giannis saying these things out loud to the public? I mean, we're not talking about Barry Sanders in a Detroit Lions situation where Barry offered $5 million to get out of the contract because he felt like the Detroit Lions didn't want to build a winner. I, I just see the Bucks taking care of Giannis. This isn't like the Detroit Lions when they dumped on Megatron and forced him into retirement the same way that they did Barry. Let's not forget that the Detroit Lions won a lawsuit against Barry Sanders We all know that he had a horrible offensive line. We all know that the quarterback situation was very hit and miss. We all know that Barry was carrying that football team year in and year out. Do or does anybody believe that Giannis is carrying the Bucs at this moment? The injuries are mounting. He didn't play games, right? They got beat by the Miami Heat in the first round, even though they had the best record in the league in the NBA this past season. But let's not forget how far the Miami Heat went, though. They went all the way to the NBA Finals. So would you count it really as a bad loss, given that they went as far as they did? Now, obviously, they got blown away right in the NBA Finals. I don't think anybody was going to beat the Denver Nuggets this year. Too much, obviously, with all the outside stuff. I I think... We saw Jokic playing at a level that said, look, I'm here to prove not only am I the MVP, but we are the best team in all the NBA. And despite what anybody wants to say about me stat padding or anything like that, I'm just going to show you who we are. And that's what they did. But it does make you wonder, though, if Giannis is pulling some strings that we don't know about. I am not one to agree with certain statements that Giannis made. Now, just because I don't like it doesn't mean that I don't think he should be able to say it. And we're going to touch on that with Dame Lillard. But keeping it all in-house, to me, is just a really good idea. I think it puts out too much with some of the players. Do they all agree? It causes division in the locker rooms. Man, I agree with what you did. or I don't agree with what you did. You start calling out players. Players are going to feel like, hey, look, are you talking about me, bro? Am I part of what you want or am I not? Are you thinking about 
trying to figure out a way to get me traded up out of here or when my contract is up? Are you going to take up so much cap space that there's not going to be anything left for me to eat? What about my plate? Those types of things start to happen. They create division in locker rooms. And I really think that Giannis probably shouldn't have said anything, if I'm being 100% honest. Or if he was going to say something, the old political answer. Well, right now, we're going to focus on this season. Let's see what happens next year. Anybody who knows me, anybody who's followed me throughout my career, they know that I believe that players holding out should be their right. They should be in control over their own careers. I don't like trades being blocked. I don't like teams being in situations where they can franchise tag somebody and do too much. I don't like the Jonathan Taylor situation. I think it was long overdue. If you're not going to pay him what he wants, then fine, let him go. If they're not happy with the money, you're not happy with the money, it's going to create those problems like I talked about in the locker room, then either just pay him or let him go. Because drawing it out and having too much of a fiasco in front of the world can create a lot of problems. That's all I'm saying. And when all is said and done, I respect Giannis for being honest, but I don't know that I would have done it. And again, it makes you wonder what happened with the coaching situation. Being that he said there would be hard feelings if they didn't want to build a winner. Are you saying that what they, I mean, because I'm usually not the guy, right, to sit around and dissect and try and figure out what somebody's saying, but this is fairly ominous coming from Giannis. I won't call it cryptic. That's too much. But it certainly does raise an eyebrow. And I think when all is said and done, Giannis left way too much open to the imagination instead of being much more direct about what he means by saying these things so there you have it guys i am drew duncan this is fired up we are live on block 50 global radio facebook twitter and instagram is all at drew duncan radio initially you can find me on youtube simply look for the real drew duncan that's rl and of course we are wherever you are listening to podcasts if you missed the show live you can always tell your device to play block 50s Drew Duncan fired up wherever you are listening to the podcast. Simply tell your device, whether it's iTunes, iHeart, Spreaker, Deezer, Google Podcasts, etc., wherever you are listening after the fact, we are there. Guys, plenty more to get to. Dame Lillard talks about the Portland Trailblazers. We've got college football coming up this weekend to discuss. Additionally, we're going to be talking about Michael Orr suing his family. We're going to be talking about Reggie Bush suing the NCAA. Don't you dare touch that dial. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Additionally, you can find me on YouTube. Simply look for The Real Drew Duncan. And, of course, we are wherever 
You are listening to the podcast. Simply tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on Block 50 Global Radio via iTunes, iHeart, Google, etc. Wherever you are listening, we are there. Guys, plenty to get to later on. NFL news. We're going to be talking about Michael Orb suing the Tuies. We're also going to dive in deep into Reggie Bush suing the NCAA for defamation. Obviously, college football right around the corner on Saturday. Plenty to get to. In the meantime, I want to talk about Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard just did an interview, and he confirmed that there was a request for a trade to the Miami Heat. But he said, and I quote, there's respect with Portland. There's love with Portland. But I don't want to get into it. I don't want to talk about Portland. End quote. Why wouldn't he? Why would he risk it? After all, we just saw James Harden get hit with a $100,000 fine. That whole messy situation where he was calling people liars, right? And so the NBA said, well, we're just going to find you, Brody. Really? You know, again, just because I don't agree with somebody doing it doesn't mean that I don't think that they should be able to do it. And in the world of social media, it has become very common and it should be to a point now where we're used to this to where everybody's jumping the gun and heading to the media and heading to social media to put their spin out there first in an attempt to get people on their side. So, of course, Dame Lillard doesn't want to talk about Portland right now because he doesn't want any nonsense to come along with it. And who can blame him? I mean, obviously, we just talked about Giannis and what he was saying about the Milwaukee Bucks and how there could be hard feelings. And look how easy it is to potentially misinterpret something. Maybe I'm wrong in what I've said. Maybe I'm right in what I said. Who knows? There's no definitive answer on it. We're trying to break down comments from somebody in little segments and and piece together a truth somewhere in that puzzle. So you could say kudos to Dame for saying, I'm not going to leave this open for interpretation. But you could also say, man, he's just scared of getting fined. And the thing is, is we're not seeing Giannis really under the gun from the NBA, given his comments, right? But for some odd reason, the NBA sees fit to attack other guys. Now, they've pretty much let James Harden, Kevin Durant, some other guys do whatever they want to do in terms of trades and all that stuff. I don't know why the NBA has been so difficult with Dame. I don't know why they've blocked trades. I don't know why they're telling him, hey, look, if Miami's the only team that you want, then we're going to take a look into what's going on with you, and we're going to see how we can penalize you for that. It really doesn't make any sense to me at all. And if I'm Dame, I'm to a point where I'm beyond frustrated. Like, I've literally had it up to here, bro, type stuff. I'm just going to be 100 with you. And, you know, my thing is, when I look at the NBA, they constantly try to remind us that they don't have problems that the NFL does. And let's just be honest with it. It's an uncomfortable conversation, but let's be honest. The NBA basically proclaims that they don't have these racial divides that they try to say that the NFL does or other people may perceive about the NFL, especially when it comes to things like the anthem. We're all together in this. Really? You don't have those issues? Does the NFL not franchise franchise tag guys and keep them from doing what they want to do? Does the NFL not have that in contracts? 
Do you not get in trouble in the NFL if you speak out against organizations and teams while you're with them? Did I not just talk about Barry Sanders being unable to get out of his contract, losing the lawsuit, even after he tried to pay $5 million to get out of that contract? Didn't I just talk about Megatron getting screwed over by the Detroit Lions, them not wanting to let him out of that contract? Of course, we all know what they were afraid of, right? Barry goes somewhere. Megatron goes somewhere. They get a title. I mean, look what happened with Stafford. Perfect example. We all knew that was what was going on. Can you imagine Barry Sanders with the Kansas City Chiefs and that defense that they had back in 97, 98? If he would have been able to go over there with Marty Schottenheimer as a longtime Broncos fan, lifelong Broncos fan, I can tell you this, I don't think they get a championship if they've got to go against Barry Sanders in the playoffs. I don't. Even if, oh, no, Bono was the quarterback. The point of what I'm saying is they claim that they don't have these issues, the NBA, but yet here we are. And it's very picky and choosy who's in the club and who's not. And why Dame isn't in the club is beyond me. He is a huge star in the NBA. And the only reason why he kind of gets left behind out of conversations with guys like Giannis, Brown, KD, LeBron, et cetera, et cetera, is one, because of the market that he plays in. Number two, he's never really complained about anything, and he's a very pretty much quiet guy, very mild-mannered. You don't hear a lot of nonsense. He just goes out and he plays basketball, and that's pretty much all there is to Dame. Whereas LeBron has no problem with being all over the media. KD's got no problem with, with beefing with Skip Bayless. You know, you've got Kyrie Irving out there talking about flat earth theories. You've just got guys that are just so open about any and everything. And Dame's just kind of stay in his lane. It ain't nothing wrong with that. Most teams should want a guy like that. Who's a huge star, phenomenal basketball player, keeps to himself. You ain't got drama. And it's crazy to me because, to be honest with you, I think Dane would have been justified in what he said. And I know people are listening to me going, dude, I don't get it. Are you confused? Are you a flip-flopper? No, I am not. I wouldn't have agreed with it. But I think he would have been justified. And I agree with freedom of speech. Don't talk to me about how, well, that's an employer and they make a lot of money. You're talking about that same NBA that's now doing in-season tournaments that not only do they not count towards the regular season, but they also do not get paid unless they win the in-season tournament. Everybody else is working for free. More blood, more sweat, more work. Obviously, they're creating that $500,000 incentive to get these guys to actually try during that in-season tournament. It's going to count towards their stats, but as far as what's going to do with the playoffs and their regular season record and all those things, that doesn't matter because it doesn't count. It's ridiculous. That same NBA. So where's the miss here? What's the deal with Dame specifically? Is it a Dame problem? Is it a league-wide problem? Look, nothing comes 
without imperfections. No league has imperfections. But I will say this. I am tired of the NBA parading around like they're so much better than the MLB, like they're so much better than the NHL, like they're so much better than the NFL, when at the end of the day, if you look at it hand in hand, nose to nose, there's really not that many dissimilarities. And Dame is the poster child for those dissimilarities, for those imperfections and those wrongdoings. He's getting a raw deal, man. Everybody, I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. This is Fired Up Live on Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that we are wherever you are listening to podcasts. If you missed the show live, you can always check us out on Google, iHeart, iTunes, Spreaker, wherever you are listening. We are there. Plenty more to get to. We still got Michael Orr and his lawsuit with the Tuies. We've still got breakdowns from college games coming up this weekend. And, of course, Reggie Bush is suing the NCAA for defamation. Don't you dare touch that dial. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on Block 50 Global Radio. This is Fired Up. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am on YouTube as well. And in case you miss the show live, you can always check us out wherever you're listening to podcasts. Simply tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on Block 50 Global Radio on Google, iTunes, iHeart, etc. Wherever you are listening, we are there. Plenty more to get to. Obviously, breakdown of this weekend's games coming up Notre Dame USC both playing and of course we're going to be talking about Stephen A. Smith his refusal to back down with the whole situation with him and Lonzo Ball and then of course we've also got Michael Orr suing the Tuies. in the meantime I want to get to Reggie Bush in his lawsuit defamation of character against the NCAA I don't know where it came from. I know that the NCAA was very vocal that Reggie Bush was in a play for pay situation that essentially he went to the USC and was being paid by boosters and receiving special benefits from the Trojans while he was there. Now, I don't know why they chose to put this information out. I don't know what it is that they may know that everybody else doesn't know. But they've been adamant about it since day one. In fact, they've been very adamant that that's why they busted Reggie Bush. That's why they busted Pete Carroll. That's why they busted USC. That's why they gave him all the sanctions. But it's just not necessarily the case now, is it? You see, here's the deal. And understand, you got to listen carefully because this thing is extremely messy. Here is the long and the short of it, though, in the simplest way that I can I can make everybody understand this. Reggie Bush, according to him, never directly, knowingly, took anything 
from the USC Trojans from a booster with the USC Trojans or even the guy that's been in all the lawsuits, Mr. Lake. Now, here's the deal, okay? What they did was they lumped in Reggie Bush's complete ordeal that him and his stepdad had going on with this late guy who wanted to be an agent, but he was not an agent. In fact, to this day, if you look it up, it'll just say he's a businessman. It's really unclear what his businesses are. Okay. And Reggie Bush was lumped in with the case that happened with another recruit, OJ Mayo, and a tennis player who wasn't from this country who made, I, I think it was 123 phone calls using USC campus money so that way she could call back home overseas. Right. So that whole thing and all the impermissible benefits that they were allegedly getting was lumped in with Reggie Bush. Now, his stepdad, Mr. Griffin, was supposedly in a previous friendship with this late guy who had done, I think, like 10 years in the joint, okay? And when he got out as a part of his reform, he was attempting to become an agent. He claims that they had a pre-existing connection. He found out that Reggie Bush was Griffin's stepson. And so what he did was in San Diego, which by the way is an hour and a half from Los Angeles, gave Reggie's stepdad a house and a car, a used car at that. The used car ended up going to Reggie. Now, whether or not Reggie knew that it came from Mr. Lake, that's subject to debate. I will give you that. Okay, but the reality is more than likely he didn't know it was just a gift from his stepdad and that was it. But the NCAA decided that he was doing pay for play. Pete Carroll and the whole booster thing, there were agents around that whole kind of stuff that could have been for anybody. Let's not forget how many players went to the NFL that were on those Trojan football teams. You had Linden, you had Bush, you had Matt Leinart, you had linebackers. I mean, that roster was full. I mean, it was basically an NFL football team at the time. But Reggie never directly received anything. And the NCAA decided, by the way, after a five-year investigation, to go ahead and listen to Mr. Lake, take whatever he said as gold, forget about what Reggie was trying to explain to them, they they never even really listened to what his stepdad, Mr. Griffin, had to say and just lumped everything together and said, boom, you're going to get sanctions. It hit the fan. Pete Carroll left. He got to go be a head coach in Seattle with no problem. They went to two Super Bowls with him as a head football coach. Wow, big punishment for Pete Carroll. Uh, and then they said, Reggie, uh, you're either going to give that Heisman Trophy back willingly or we're going to take it away. And then on top of that, they took away his entire season, said none of his records and stats mattered, and threw all of it out the door over what? Let's pretend for a second here that Reggie knowingly took this used car. A used car. That's what they're mad about. If it's misleading information or whatever, kind of like the Jim Harbaugh situation, okay, fine. I could even see that. 
But it just sounds like the NCAA basically imposed their will for no reason at all and just targeted Reggie Bush, and he ended up being a scapegoat for what was going on at USC. And honestly, his stepdad making deals is something that has been going on in the world of college sports for a long time. It's nothing new. And if you don't believe me, go watch a documentary called The Best That Never Was. Go take a look at that Michael Orr situation, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Makes that whole thing seem a little bit different now, doesn't it? How can you sit there with a straight face and say that coaches get deniability but not athletes? That doesn't even begin to make sense. If everybody gets to claim that they don't know anything, why are we going to punish the players? Coaches say, oh, no, I, I didn't know anything. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't get it, bro. Uh-uh. They get deniability through and through, even when they interview with other teams or leagues. SMU, the death penalty? Come on. The reality of this whole thing is, is that Reggie was a scapegoat. And if we're going to take Reggie at his word, then you can look at that and go, it adds up. Why is Reggie this entire time been the face of this entire thing? I think Reggie has gotten to a point where he's just sick of it. Because people are going to say, why the lawsuit now? Because I think he's sick of it. Let's not forget that Mr. Lake is suing Reggie for defamation because Reggie made comments about him and what he was in jail for. I'm going to let you go look that up. Of course, his Mr. Lake's attorney called it baseless. I mean, if it is the truth, it'd be out there. That's for sure. I will say that Mr. Lake did sue Reggie Bush for breach of contract. They did settle out of court, which kind of makes this thing a little bit more convoluted. It does kind of make you side in some ways with Mr. Lake. But let's be honest, he's trying to sue Reggie again for other reasons. So it just sounds like any opportunity he can to try and get money out of Reggie Bush, he's going to do it. It's almost an extortion. It feels like at some point. I got money for this. What if I can get money for that? Huh. Let me see what the odds are, amigo. It's just the way that it feels. Whether it's that way or not, I don't know. All I'm telling you is these are the facts. And with the facts that I have presented in front of me, I've never understood why Reggie was in trouble in the first place. Ever. And if Reggie, Reggie wins this lawsuit, boy, that is going to be huge. And you're damn right, by the way. I think they should give him his Heisman back. It's not pay for play if he's not getting anything from the USC. The USC has to be giving him something they never did. It was a third party way outside of the bounds of the Trojans. Anyway. Guys, I'm Drew Duncan. This is Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Michael Orr suing the Tuies. Still got that to get to. Of course, Stephen A. Smith and that situation. We'll be back right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial.
Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. We are live on Block 50 Global Radio. This is Fired Up. Do not forget that we are wherever you're listening to podcasts. If you miss a show live, you can always check us out on iTunes, iHeart, Spreaker, Google, etc. Wherever you are listening, we are there. Plenty more to get to. We're going to be talking about Michael Orr and his lawsuit with the Tuies. Of course, we've got college football to break down from this weekend. Notre Dame, USC, Caleb Williams. To many, the front runner, obviously, for the Heisman Trophy going into this season. Opener against San Jose State. And I don't know why. I just I really want to take a look at the Ohio Bobcats taking on San Diego State. I, I think it's going to be a good game. Maybe it's a childhood thing. Marshall Falk went there. One of my favorite players of all time. I don't know. In the meantime, Stephen A. Smith is just refusing to back down with this whole Lonzo Ball thing. So here's a long and a short for anybody that's not up to speed on this thing. Stephen A. Smith went on his show and said that he's been told, look, man, Lonzo can't even stand up. Because you know how the balls operate, especially the dad. Don't worry, my son will be back. Stephen A. Smith is like, that's not what I'm hearing over here, Brody. I got a source that tells me that dude can't even stand up right now. Okay. So Lonzo Ball's like, who's your source? You should have come to me. And he takes a video of him going up and down on one leg. No problem. So what does Stephen A do? He goes on Twitter and he goes, oh, great. Now you want to reach out to me. Uh, you know where I'm at. Then he gets on a show and he starts getting upset. He's not really backtracking, but he's just like, I got this information and he's not doing this and he's not. Let's see it on this. Let's see it like that. Like, bro, just take the L, man. Take the L. We all take them. I've been wrong about stuff. I've received information. I've read things that ended up not being true. It is what it is. In this business, when you are going to be opinionated, sometimes that opinion is going to be wrong. Sometimes the information is going to be wrong. And that's okay. It's okay as long as we give apologies, which we used to. When I studied mass communications with an emphasis on sports analysis, one of the very first things that I was taught is what can save you from a lawsuit is the truth. But it's got to be the truth. And it has to be proven. That is the truth. And media outlets used to run retractive reports. They don't do that anymore. It just goes with, well, no, no, I saw it like this and it should have been like that. And it's so different in sports because you're allowed to be opinionated. And I don't know why it, it, it really kind of started with sports. I should say that your opinion, whether it was right or wrong, it really didn't seem to matter because it was just, well, based off of the information that I had. And, and you know what? I can see that. Look, I'm an award-winning journalist. I've got awards for stuff that I've done on the, the psychology of the criminal mind. I, I've got awards for stuff that I've done on CTE, kind of doing the antithesis on C, you know, CTE. Women's sports like soccer and, and hockey still rank ahead of football. You know, We're not talking about shutting those sports down, but we are talking about shutting down football. It was just kind of, let's look at everything. That's what I wanted to do. Look at everything. 
And sometimes your opinion isn't necessary. Like when I first reported on the Michael Orr situation, I just presented with the information that I had available. I just said, look, here's what Michael Orr says. Here's what the Tui family says. Here's kind of how these things work. Boom, here you go. There's the information. I'm reporting. You decide. It's really not difficult to just say, I got it wrong. And it's running rampant in all forms of media, right? Political pundits, political analysts, sports journalists, sports analysts. All these different facts and figures and numbers and stats everywhere, willy-nilly. Everybody's pulling something from somewhere else. Whether or not the source is reliable, we don't know. Obviously, there's not a reliable source that Stephen A. Smith had. And as I've always said before, you know the key word in reliable, don't you? That old reliable source. I'm in journalism. I know how it works. I'm not going to expose all parts of the business, but I know what he did in order to get that information. If he really had it. Sometimes as journalists, we just take wild guess. Because it's an educated guess. I haven't seen this, so I'd be willing to bet. But who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, Stephen A. could have been right. And Lonzo figured out some workaround. Could have been. But it's not. But it could have been. What I'm saying is all Stephen A. had to do was just say, my bad, bro. If you want to talk about it, come on the show, which is basically what he's trying to do now, and he's figuring out a way to draw this thing out and get a rating out of it, which is what it's all about, isn't it? It's all about that rating, all about that click on social media, all about that drive on YouTube, all about those comments on Instagram. All about those shares on Facebook. All about those views and hearts and everything else that you get on TikTok. What can we do to siphon more money out on the Patreon page? How can we get people over to our podcast page? How do we keep our main guy relevant? After all, we're paying him a hell of a lot of money. It's all part of it, isn't it? And it it gets frustrating as somebody who's been in this business for over a decade. It's frustrating to watch. It's frustrating because I refuse to go that route nine times out of 10. And I don't just yell into a microphone. I don't tell Uncle Shay that Tom Brady's had a better career than him just because I'm willing to stand up for Tom Brady no matter what it is. I don't yell and hoot and holler incoherently into a microphone. I don't spew venom at athletes for no good reason. I don't just go after Baker Mayfield. I don't just go after T.O. I don't pick out what I think is an easy target and then apply whatever knowledge I have to a situation to spin it how I need to. But. That's the world that we live in. 
I will tell you this, if you want it to change, you got to change who you listen to and how you listen. Your silence will always speak louder than your words, than your shares, than your likes, than your angry faces. The reaction was enough. That's all that they needed. They got it. And there you go. I've been telling people that for years. Is what it is. Plenty more to get to. We're going to be talking about Michael Orr, his lawsuit with the Tuies. Of course, we're going to be looking at college football. Week zero begins this Saturday. Two games on tap. USC is going to be taking on San Jose State. The preseason Heisman Trophy front winner, Caleb Williams. Everybody's going to be all eyes on him. Notre Dame will be playing as well as they're going to be hosting Navy. And I want to take a look at Ohio taking on San Diego State. Guys, I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. The show is called Fired Up. You can listen live on block50globalradio.com. And then, of course, if you miss us, you can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. Somebody tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on Block 50 Global Radio via iHeart, iTunes, Google, Spreaker, Deezer, etc. Wherever you are listening, we are there. And as always, don't you dare touch that dial. I am Drew Duncan. This is Fired Up Live on Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Additionally, you can listen to us after the fact wherever you are listening to the podcast. Simply tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on Block 50 Global Radio via iTunes, iHeart, Spreaker, Deezer, etc. Wherever you are listening, we are there. Week zero in college football begins Saturday, manana. In the meantime, Michael Orr suing the Tuies for $15 million. Cold hard cash, my man. So Michael Orr maintains that he was never fully adopted by the family. And instead, he was tricked into signing paperwork at the age of 18 that was a conservative ship. Now, for those who don't know what a conservatorship is, I'm going to make this really simple for you. It's very similar to what we saw with Britney Spears. If you know about that situation, she wasn't able to do things like control her own finances. She couldn't leave the house when she didn't want to. Basically, somebody was over her as a guardian, even though she was an adult. 
that's what Michael Orr is essentially maintaining. Now, there are several different types of conservative ships, and it can vary state to state. There could be some similarities. There could be some exact same ones, but it can vary state to state as to how many different conservative ships there are, what type of conservative ship it is, what it all entails, et cetera, et cetera. In the state of Tennessee, most kind do allow for adult adoption where an adult becomes basically almost like a surrogate to the family. They, they become like a surrogate mom or pop or whatever the case may be, right? And they officially become part of the family. It also can include the inability to oversee your own finances. It can also include the inability to do things like go get an exam from a physician. Now, after all these years, why is Michael Orr doing this? Well, that's a little bit difficult. Sometimes you find out things way later on. You go to an account and you go to somebody and it's just like, well, I'm missing a lot of money. Where's it all going? What happened? What did I really, truly sign? You go back, you look at it, you take a second look, you give somebody else a different look and it goes, "Uh, bro, do you understand what this was? Do you know what you were giving up when you signed this? Now, the Tuies are maintaining that this entire thing is an extortion from Michael Orr. Conversely, they have said that they're going to seek out ending the conservative ship, which is a little odd, but not entirely peculiar. I say that because let's just say that it did include adult adoption They did do everything the right way. Now they're being sued very publicly by Michael Orr. Why maintain the relationship? Because let's be honest, if Michael Orr is wrong and the Tuies are being 100 and up front and it all comes out of the wash that they gave him his cut, especially from the movie The Blind Side, which made over 300 mil, by the way, if they gave him his cut and they gave him his financial freedom and they gave him everything that he was due, it could be a situation where the two let him know and said, hey, look, we told you up front that we were going to be helping look after your money for you. We, we told you this. We gave you everything that you were due. What, what, what's going on? I don't understand. But the point of what I'm saying is, is that after that, regardless of what comes out of the wash, It's a broken relationship. And something like that would take years and years and years and a lot of work to mend. So it would be better to sever ties. Now, the antithesis is, is that Michael Lohr could have discovered that he was being played from the beginning. They didn't give him all his financial due. And for anybody that's out there that would just presume and go, why would they do that? What do they got? A crystal ball they can just see out of the future and see everything? Bro, have you ever heard of risk-reward? I see a lot of people who clearly don't understand how business works. Everything in business is a risk reward. And you don't think that the Tuies who are clearly financially stable, stable enough to, for Michael Lord to say, I want 15 million and we're financially stable enough to send him to a private school. And we're financially stable enough to buy him a brand new car and were financially stable enough to live in the kind of house that they did, 
wouldn't it be a little bit obvious to everybody that they would have a very good lawyer? Because after all, they were able to afford a private tutor as well. So you're going to tell me that they wouldn't have a very good lawyer? Somebody who's a really good accountant to go, okay, you know, if, if this doesn't pan out or even if it does, you can always write this off and write that off and this off and that off and yada, yada, yada. And we're fine. We're free and clear. Of course, the big payoff is everything works out, which by the way, it did. Then not only is he a megastar in college, but now he's a megastar in the NFL. They were certainly all standing there with him when he got drafted. Were they not? Everybody hanging around. Everybody's there taking pictures and smiling for the camera. Everybody knows what kind of money he's about to be making. Because everybody knows about left tackles in the NFL, especially thanks to the movie The Blind Side. Not that difficult. I mean, you guys wonder how some of these movies get made. Do you want me to ruin Rudy for you? Rudy was on golf courses begging people to make a movie about him. And 85% of it wasn't even true. Joe Montana was on that football team and said, dude, we carried him out as kind of a joke. Nobody knew what was going on. He was just there. Coach allowed him to be there that game. And we all just kind of, hey, yeah, Rudy. Oh, this is a big deal now. We didn't mean for it to be that. You don't think that the Tuies didn't maybe potentially take the same approach when getting that movie made about Michael? And really, when you think about it, is that movie about Michael or is that movie about those people who took him in, took care of him, gave him the supposed life he'd never have? Because let's be honest, what would have happened if Michael would have gotten injured and never been able to even go to Ole Miss? Let's say he goes to Ole Miss, he gets hurt, and he can't go to the NFL. Let's say his first year in the NFL, he gets hurt. He can play never again. He can't play another snap ever in the NFL. Then what happens? What's the relationship like then? I think it's good to ask all of these questions for both sides. And I think it's ignorant to not ask these questions for both sides. We can't just sit around and go, this is a definite, this is a for certain. No, it's not. There are things that point to both sides, but I'm telling you right now, neither one is exceptionally overwhelming when you look at it as a whole. Am I on the side of the or? Of Michael or, pardon me, or am I on the side of the twoies? I'm on neither side right now. I'm on the side of getting the right thing to happen. That's what I'm on the side of. Whatever is right, I want to happen. If Michael Orr's full of it, I hope the Tuies win. If the Tuies were dirty and took advantage of him, then I want Michael Orr to win. That's pretty simple. I'm not one way or the other right now. Those are the facts. I'm going to let you guys decide. I think those are all very good questions to ask. Guys, this is Fired Up. I am Drew Duncan, live on Block 50 Global Radio. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Block 50 Global Radio is wherever you are on social media as well and wherever you are listening to the podcast. If you miss the show live in the morning, head on over to the podcast and check us out there. Plenty more to get to. 
College football is here, week zero. The Fighting Irish, the Midshipmen, San Jose State taking on USC. Heisman hopeful at the beginning of the year. Caleb Williams in Ohio taking on San Diego State. We got plenty more. Don't you dare touch that dial. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Additionally, you can find me on YouTube. And do not forget that I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Simply tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on Block 50 Global Radio via iTunes, iHeart, Spreaker, Deezer, Google Podcasts. Wherever you're listening, we are there. Notre Dame opens up week zero. Ohio and San Diego State open up week zero. But I want to get into the USC Trojans opening up week zero against San Jose State, specifically with Cable Williams. I've said for years and years and years that I can't stand preseason top 25 polls. And before the college football playoff, I really felt like there didn't need to be a ranking before week four. Now I've, I believe that because of the college football playoff, especially with it expanding, we don't need a regular pre or season top 25 until about week eight. And I really don't think that we need a college football playoff ranking until about week 11 or 12. In the same regards, I don't think we need preseason hopefuls for the Heisman. I don't think we need to talk about people for the Heisman Trophy until they've proven what they can do. It's not uncommon for somebody to have a really good year and then the next season fall off. Johnny Manziel was entertaining as hell to watch, but let's be honest, Texas A&M only had one good season. So let's not forget that. And Caleb Williams, and many people don't like my criticism of him, and that's fine. But I just, I look at Caleb Williams and I see an individual who's so hit and miss. He'll have one really great game, usually against an opponent that's not very good. And I got to tell you, San Jose State, they're not the best, but I think defensively, they're going to be able to match up with USC. May catch him slipping. I think this game will probably be close for at least one half of football. Third, fourth quarter, USC probably pulls away. But it's not going to be ugly, at least for a half of football, I don't think. Caleb is really either incredibly hesitant to throw the football, which works against him when he floats it up in the air and, and, and it's a pick, or he's too quick to pull the trigger and run. Now, understandably so, young athletes especially, and you could go through the course of history from John Elway to Randall Cunningham to Steve Young to Donovan McNabb to Mike Vick, you have that incredibility of mobility, you can, you're faster than a lot of other guys on the field. First option isn't open. It, it's not uncommon to just dart out. Now, Caleb has gotten better 
over the last couple of seasons with his reads. But I just, I don't think that he's ready to take that next step. And I don't think he's a Heisman Trophy winner. I think last year when Caleb won it, it was out of necessity. When he really looked at it, was there anybody else? Now, me personally, I thought Deuce Vaughn was the best player in all college football. He carried a really mediocre Kansas State Wildcats squad to wins that they shouldn't have had. They were in close in games that they shouldn't have been in close in. There was quarterback problems all over the place with those guys getting injured. If it hadn't been for Deuce Vaughn, I don't think K-State would have won four games last year, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. I thought Deuce Vaughn was the best in the country. The fact that there wasn't even a vote out there for him, he wasn't in the top five at least, really blew my mind. How can that guy not be in the ceremony? And it caused him to go as late as he did in the NFL draft. And I got to tell you, I look at him and I see Daryl Sproles or Darren Sproles. I, I see the next generation, though, in what Sproles would have been. And I think that Deuce Vaughn is going to be even better. My opinion. The point of that is. Caleb Williams was a necessity because you looked at college football last year. Who? Maybe C.J. Stroud. Michigan was a pretty good overall football team. But did they have anybody that really stood out? Stetson Bennett maybe with Georgia. He'd been there for so long that it would have been like giving it to Grandpa Joe. They were just a really good football team. Caleb Williams in the big games last season really didn't show up. They had, excuse me, they had the game against Utah where Utah came back. Utah beats them in the Pac-12 championship. And mind you, Utah had got blown out by Florida, a football team that didn't even finish 500 last year. Now, I know somebody's going to say, well, it's a team game, and he must have got really tired from playing on both sides. Look, I get that. Okay, but turnovers are a problem with Caleb Williams in big games. When he's going against the defenses, and even then, I mean, honestly, we saw it in the Big 12 against KU. That people were talking about him in the Heisman race after he took over the quarterback position at K or at, at OU for one game. He played okay football, but not great. Last year, he had a lot of flashy numbers. But where was he when it mattered the most? What big game has Caleb Williams won to this point? What big game can you look back on and go, because they had Caleb Williams, that was why they won that football game? Can you name one? Against a team that was really, truly great. I've said for years the Pac-12 was overrated. You're not going to like that either, and that's fine, but it is. Washington, how they do in the college football playoff. I mean, it's been since the USC days when that all tanked that they were any good. With Reggie and all that, Pete Carroll. I mean, that was the last time they saw a college football championship. Oregon, blown it twice. 
I will say that BCS game against Auburn, you could argue some of those calls. I'm not going to say that you couldn't. In the end, didn't get it done. Didn't get it done in the college football playoff championship game. I pointed out how Utah did against an SEC football team on purpose because I wanted you to see that Caleb Williams should have been able to run roughshod on that defense with no turnovers. I'm sorry, Anthony Richardson's not that good. I I don't know what anybody saw in him. And comparing him to Donovan McNabb blows my mind, but I, I just, I don't see it. And the point is, look at how he played in that game versus how he played in other games, especially throwing the football. And then go ask yourself, why come Caleb Williams didn't have that caliber of football game? I don't want to hear about yards. Yards mean nothing when you can't hold on to the football. When you cost your team the game by turning the football over. By making poor choices when the ball's in your hand. But not being able to read the defenses. I, you know, I don't think Lincoln Riley is exactly the best coach in football either. If I'm being honest with you, I'm just saying I just don't see it happening. And I think that we should wait on who we believe Heisman Trophy candidates are until week eight or nine. That's when we start talking about it. Not before the season starts because it doesn't matter. I don't want Caleb to get hurt. I want to clarify that, but he could. He could get hurt, and then what? We, we've talked and talked and talked. Who else is out there? It's not fair. And it's not fair to put that kind of pressure on Caleb. I know people are going, well, dude, you just got done just bashing him. Like, look, he's going to get that pressure no matter what. But I think it's a different type of pressure when we go, Heisman. Guys, I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. The show is called Fired Up. I am live on Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that we are wherever you are listening to podcasts. Let me tell you the advice to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on Block 50 Global Radio on wherever you're listening, man. iTunes, iHeart, Google, Spreaker, Deezer, wherever you are, we are there. More week zero in college football to get to we're going to be talking about navy and notre dame and of course ohio taking on san diego state we'll be back right after this don't you dare touch that dial I am Drew Duncan. We are live on Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Additionally, you can find me on YouTube. Simply look for The Real Drew Duncan. And of course, Block 50 Global Radio is not only online, live all day, every day, but you can also find us, in case you missed the show, on your favorite podcast streaming service, iTunes, iHeart, etc. Simply look for Block 50 Global Radio, Drew Duncan. The show is fired up. Guys, plenty more to get to 
Still got Ohio taking on San Diego State to talk about in week zero of college football. In the meantime, I want to get into Notre Dame taking on Navy. Navy, Georgia Tech, sort of still, are the last remnants of a forgotten time almost in college football. Where it's a straight up option, a beat you up option. Back then, the style of option that was run by those football teams were considered innovative. Now it's run of the mill, but look, the option is the option, regardless of how you run it. You know, I've said it a million times. I don't care if it's pistol, shotgun, wings, trips, whatever the case may be, wishbone, eye formation, you know, single back, two tight end set, whatever the case may be, the option is the option. This is all there is to it. You call it an RPO. It's been called that for years. They were calling it back in the 80s with John Elway. Come on. When I look at Notre Dame, obviously the thing that everybody's going to be talking about along the lines of what we just talked about with Caleb Williams, obviously, is Sam Hartman, the transfer out of Wake Forest, the most sought-out kid in the portal, You know, according to just about everybody that's out there. Over 100 touchdown passes while he was at Wake Forest. I think last year he threw 38 TDs, 12 picks, though. Uh, so practically, as far as games go, almost won a game. Not a good look. Uh, he's going to have to get that under control. That's for damn sure. I mean, I'm not going to let him slide, right? <laughs> you know, turnovers are a nightmare, and they ruin chances to win games. I mean, I'm a huge Syracuse fan. I, I saw it myself last season. Turnovers, you know, the inability to, to get the offense down the field, no co- cohesiveness, quarterback that couldn't throw the football very far with the under usage of Tucker last season, right from Syracuse, Notre Dame whooping the hell out of him. And Carmelo Anthony finally decides to show up to a game. The stadium is packed out. What do we get blown out it is what it is. Look, Notre Dame has what I would call a very manageable schedule this season, right? They've got Navy to start. Nobody university after that. North Carolina state, central Michigan. It's not until late in September when they play Ohio State, and that's going to be the fifth game of the year. Then after that, they got Duke, Louisville. They don't have USC until October. Pitt could prove to be a potentially difficult game, but who knows? You got Clemson, but that's not until the beginning of November. Then you got Wake Forest, which if anybody's going to know how to defend against Hartman, it's going to be them. Then, of course, you end the year with Stanford. It's kind of that same old song and dance with Notre Dame that we've all been complaining about for probably about 20 years now. They play this soft schedule. They win 10 games, 11 games. Now they get a chance to compete in an ACC title game, which could potentially at any given moment propel them to the college football playoff, which we have seen them get absolutely decimated in. They're there because they're Notre Dame and that's it. There's nothing special or unknown about it. I'm not really saying anything here that's out of the ordinary. The point of what I'm saying is what they're going to have to do, and and people are going to think I'm crazy when I say this, is they're going to have to figure out the quarterback play with Hartman. And they're going to have to figure out that defense on some levels. Last year, Notre Dame had some really big wins, but they had some areas where you just thought defensively 
This is not a good football team. Very similar to North Carolina to me last year. If offensively, they would have, or defensively, if they would have been as good as they were offensively, Notre Dame could have made a push, same with North Carolina. But I just feel like when there's 12 games and there's 12 interceptions, nobody's perfect. Nobody comes without flaws. I know somebody's going to go, well, so-and-so won the Heisman, and look at how many INTs they threw. That's fine. Yeah, I remember in college football, pass yards supersede just about everything to a lot of voters out there, to a lot of people who watch college football. Unless, of course, you're Taj Boyd. Then you don't even get to go to the NFL at all. My thing is, Notre Dame, to me, is going to be more vulnerable than USC on this opening weekend. We've seen them in years past against games, against Texas, et cetera. And I understand it's a new coach and all that kind of stuff. You know, I I think that is an entire program that still may be reeling from what happened when their coach decided to take an exodus and get $100 million from LSU and leave them in a bad situation. Now, you could say that they recovered in Hartman. We don't know, right? There's only one way to find out, and that's how the season goes, how the season progresses. Again, I'm not into giving somebody something just because of what they did a season ago. I don't think anybody should be given anything from what they did a year ago, five years ago. We see it all the time with teams like Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Michigan, Michigan State. How good they were 20 years ago is still carrying them today, and I just don't agree with it. I think right out of the gate, Notre Dame is the team that we need to look for and go, they're they're going to be susceptible because of the defensive Navy. But I will say, if they if they win this football game, Right, Because to me, this is not a typical tune-up game. I don't care what anybody else says. This is not a typical tune-up game. If they get past it, regardless of how difficult it may be or how easy it may prove to be, the reality is, after that, that schedule is soft. Straight-up soft and cool whip. And there's literally no reason why Notre Dame shouldn't be able to compete. Now, I will say the Ohio State game will prove to be a really big test for them. I will say that. And I do believe that it could be one hell of a football game. Especially since Ohio State, they've got a new quarterback going on right now, right? A lot of changes in college football. It's a little bit more difficult to keep up now, and I get that. But you don't have to. That's my job. So why don't you just relax? I think this is the game where somebody could trip up. I love Navy's tenacity defensively. And I got to tell you, I don't care that Notre Dame has a 73% chance on an, on the FPI index of winning that football game. At the bare minimum, it's going to be close. New quarterback, new system, new team, new coach, new everything. It's not as easy to transition as you think. It's going to take some time. And this ain't the NFL. There are no preseason games. 
you have camps, seven on sevens, pretty much it. That's it. You might scrimmage with each other. That's it. It's all you get. So we'll see how Hartman is able to transition. I personally think Notre Dame maybe wins nine games this year, but and, and Hartman will probably put up some really impressive pass yards. But I, I think in big games against truly good defenses, he's probably going to falter. Although I think the game against Ohio State is probably going to be pretty high scoring. I think against Clemson, probably a low-scoring football game. Uh, where we'll see some of the weaknesses from Hartman. So, there you go. Guys, I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. We are live on Block 50 Global Radio. The show is called Fired Up. Do not forget that we are wherever you're listening to the podcast. If you miss a show live, you can always find us on iTunes, iHeart. Wherever you are listening, we are there. Last one to get to. Final segment coming up next, Ohio, San Diego State, Week Zero, college football. Don't you dare touch that dial. You guys are checking me out live on Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Block 50 Global Radio is wherever you are listening to the podcast. If you miss the show live, simply tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on Block 50 Global Radio. Week zero in college football. We've already talked about Notre Dame, Navy. We've already talked about USC, Caleb Williams. Pressures potentially of being a Heisman Trophy candidate repeating the next season. We'll see how that works out. I think it's a, a close game again between USC and San Jose State for probably a couple of quarters, maybe into the third quarter, but I think late third, early fourth, they probably pull away. I think Notre Dame is susceptible against that defense in Navy, but right now I want to get into Ohio taking on San Diego State. Look, I got to tell you, I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. I really do. And I like Keenan Christian at running back. I think he could end up being one of the better in the country, believe it or not. I like Redmond at tight end. Uh, I think San Diego State wins this football game, maybe even running away. Although I think it more than likely it'll probably be close. But potentially running away, too much offense from San Diego State. The negative for them, right, replacing a lot of guys on defense. I think they got three new defensive linemen coming in, uh, a new corner, right, if I'm not mistaken, new safety as well, a couple of new linebackers. So defensively, it's probably going to be a little bit difficult for San Diego State. But offensively, I think they take care of business, and I don't think Ohio has enough to go blow for blow with them going into the fourth quarter. I think it's close late into the fourth quarter. You probably see a big player or two come from San Diego State 
and that's how they win the football game, maybe pulling away by 10 or 14 later on. But still could be a really good football game. Guys, quick recap of the show. Reggie Bush is suing the NCAA for defamation again. Reggie never got anything from a booster at USC. He never got anything from USC directly. This whole thing was about a guy who wanted to be an agent. His last name was Lake, and he supposedly had a pre-existing friendship with Mr. Griffin, who's Reggie's stepdad. They got a car and a house all the way in San Diego, an hour and a half outside of L.A., and they got a used car, which his stepdad gave to Reggie. Reggie says he didn't know. So there you go. Uh, Michael Orr is suing the Tuies for $15 million. We'll see how that continues to pan out. But again, all the questions that I talked about earlier, I thought were very good questions. Was this, in fact, adult adoption? Did they, in fact, give Michael Orr all the money? Or did they screw him and manipulate him so that way he could go to Ole Miss. They could take over all of his financial assets. And if you ever made it big in the NFL, then, you know, they could take a profit and peel it off and never have to fully give him everything and never disclose anything because they've got control over all of his financial rights. Talked about Stephen A. Just let it go, bro. Just, you know, we all take L's. I've taken L's. We're not right about everything. It's fine. Just let it go with Lonzo, you know? Discuss Dame Lillard. The NBA continues to just pound that man. He's getting questions from journalists now about the Miami Heat. He confirmed that he wanted to trade to the Heat, but he didn't say it was the only thing, and he just said, look, I really don't want to talk about Portland. I just don't. It's love, it's respect, but I don't want to talk about the Blazers, leaving it alone. Why wouldn't you at this point? James Harden getting fined 100000 Giannis said, well, if the Bucs don't want to build a winner, there's going to be some ill feelings there and the numbers don't look good. So what do you want? Do you want to build a winner or do you want to get paid? I guess to some extent in the NBA you can get both, but not always. But again, it does beg the question, why do they fire a head coach that won all those games that helped get you an NBA title Some don't add up. Guys, I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. You can find me on YouTube. Simply look for Drew Duncan. Do not forget that we are wherever you're listening to podcasts. The show is fired up. The station is called Block 50 Global Radio. You can find us wherever you are listening. Simply tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on Block 50 Global Radio via iTunes, iHeart, etc., Wherever you are listening, we are there. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy week zero. We'll be back, obviously, Monday with a lot more as things continue to develop in the NFL and college football world. And, of course, we will be keeping an eye on all the games happening this weekend, preseason, and week zero in college football. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves. And, as always, don't you dare touch that dial. Let me hear you.